And welcome to episode two of Venric and Poe's Halloween Hit Parade. I'm Adam Venric, one of the producers for this show, and today's interview is with a Denison student, and it concerns something very near and dear to her and her mother and the state of Ohio. So I just want to jump right in and talk about a little uh, Ohioan event called All Hallows' Eve. My guest today is Denison student Genevieve Feaster. Genevieve, how are you? I'm great, Adam. How are you? I am very good. I'm glad to be uh, recording this interview with you, uh, definitely for the first time. Um, (laughs) And Genevieve, we're here today to talk about um, history, about stories, and about uh, a certain uh, attraction that Columbus, Ohio does every year. Uh, And that all stems from something that your mom does. Uh, So what does your mom do? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, my mom works, uh, I grew up knowing it as the Ohio History, or the Ohio Historical Society, mm-hmm. um, but it's currently known as the Ohio History Connection. Okay. They rebranded themselves. Um, and so she works as the uh, head of the Department of Historic Preservation, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite a mouthful, but basically what that means is um, she focuses on the historic preservation of older buildings in particular. So she uh, looks at basically changes that owners of historic buildings submit uh, based on repairs, renovations, um, any updates to the building that they want to make. Um, If they want to receive um, money from tax credits to do those changes, they have to submit um, like a full report to her office and she works with her team in that department and basically is the final sign-off on whether they get that tax credit money to do the changes. Um, so she determines that based on a set of standards to determine whether they're um, effectively preserving the historic nature of the building and the historic aspects rather than just, you know, like ripping everything up or modernizing it. So. Yeah, that's kind of what she does. That is very, very cool. Um, so I also, uh, because I grew up in Columbus, I also, um, I grew up knowing it as the Ohio Historical Society. Um, and I grew up knowing it for one specific thing that they would do every year called All Hallows' Eve. Um, Genevieve, you've talked about that before. Um, what is All Hallows' Eve? Oh, yes. I'm right there with you, Adam, because I've been going to All Hallows' Eve since I was very little. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is this really fun outdoor event that um, the Ohio History Connection does. Uh, Right outside the museum, they have an area that's open, I believe, year-round called the Ohio Village, Mm -hmm. uh, which basically uh, is just full of um, kind of like a historical recreation of what life would have been like in the um, like 19th and 20th centuries around that time period. And so they have like volunteers and employees working as character actors from that time. Um, and it's a really cool space year round. But on Halloween, they do a very special event called All Hallows Eve. And um, there are tons, it's, it's like this big outdoor festival. There are tons of different things to do. There's, um, uh, you know, there's a belly dancer, there's different uh, shops you can go to to learn how different things were done in um, 
the um, like the 19th and 20th centuries, you can get your fortunes read. There are um, children's fortune tellers and also like a uh, little more serious adult fortune tellers. They have really good cookies and apple cider. Um, they also have a great um, like traditional barn like line dance that mm-hmm. um, they have in one of the houses. They have a really good band and a great teacher. Um, and that's just a lot of fun to get to dance with um, and get to know a group of strangers. Um, yeah, they have a lot of, they have a lot of different little stops along the way. They have a, um, this really funny museum that's basically just like a bunch of history jokes. (laughs) Um, like they have, they have a plain wicker basket and the label for that is the last thing that Marie Antoinette saw. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like... (laughs) It's a lot of, like, those kind of, like, nutty historical jokes that I just love. Um, that's a lot of fun, and they have a whole little museum room of that. They also have um, my my personal favorite attraction, which is the a retelling of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, complete with The Ride of the Headless Horseman and Ichabod Crane, and it's a really, really cool experience. Mm-hmm. I, um... Hearing you describe that brought back so many memories, especially the museum um, and the belly dancer, because I think the belly dancer is next to the museum. At least she was when I went there. Um, But I actually distinctly remember that wicker basket because that was seeing that was the night that my mom told me who Marie Antoinette was as a kid, Um, which is probably the most fun way to learn that facet of French history. Um... And I am also, I'm a big fan of the, the Ride of the Headless Horseman as well. Um, the, uh, such an iconic story. Um, so, your mom works for the Historical Connection. You've been going to this for a while. How did your mom come to start working for the Historical Connection slash society? Yeah, so um, she... As she told me, she was really interested in, in history from a very young age. So basically, since she was a little girl, she knew she kind of wanted to be a historian or do something with history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, after, um, she, I believe she was an undergrad, and she was studying um, history and English. And there she had a professor, a male professor, that basically told her um, that women didn't become historians. It, it just wasn't something that happened, like all historians were men and that she would never get anywhere with history, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, after graduating from graduate school and um, like continuing, I believe she um, got her master's degree from there. And then when she got her first job at the um, Ohio History Connection, because um, she was originally from Maslin, so she was from like the Ohio area. Um, so when she first got her job at the Ohio History Connection working in, like, a lower-level position, she emailed the professor, actually, who told her that she would never make it and was emailed him and was like, hey, look what job I just got. And she's been, which I love, I I admire so, so many things about my mother. Um, But one thing that I really admire is her really strong hard work ethic. She doesn't let anybody put her down and she doesn't let anybody discourage her from doing what she loves and what she cares about. 
and she's been working there for um, 33 years now and um, has risen to, you know, become department head. So I'm super proud of her. <laughs> I love that story. Um, I, have you ever seen the movie uh, Pretty Woman? Because that has like a big, big mistake, huge vibe to it, that whole story. I haven't, no. Okay. I um I haven't either, but it is referenced in a very good episode of The Office, which is where I am pulling that quote from. So um the question has to be asked. This is obviously, you know, it's an outdoor thing, but it's also a thing with a lot of people running around and especially it's a family event, uh you make it sound like so there's bound to be children, um, who are not the best at social distancing. Uh how is um, how is the historical connection getting around COVID, or are they for this? Yeah, um, so it's been really cool to kind of see how they've adapted to this period because, as you said, there there are a lot of like hands-on activities, like um, you know, pumpkin decorating tables and some of the puppet like shadow puppet shows that they weren't able to do. But what they did this year was kind of an abbreviated version in the form of a drive-through. Mm. So um, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like the the full festival that you would have in a normal year, just because of restrictions. But um, they had, uh, like, my mom worked it actually, and they have a they have a lane that the cars would go down, and along the sides of the road, they they had the belly dancer, mm. um, so you could see that. Um, and they had, I believe, before you did the drive-through, they had a showing of ghost, uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, I love that. You, yeah, you got to go to, like, kind of a drive-in movie and then see the belly dancers, see different, um, uh, you know, different, like, demonstrations from um, aspects of the festival. For example, there's um, an old Ohio folktale that my mom recently told me about. Yeah. Um, that actually there was this woman named Claire who mm-hmm. was a widow mm-hmm. and she would try to escape from like uh, memories of her husband that were present in her hometown. Mm-hmm. She decided to go to England for a kind of vacation. And while there, she met this man named Professor Cushion, who was um, kind of an expert in um, like armory and different types of exotic weapons mm-hmm. Um, so he was really interested in that. And, um, she, she also kind of, uh, had an interest, had an interest in those kind of things and had an interest in weapons and history. And so they kind of hit it off right away. And, uh, actually not too long after her husband's death were married. And so they came back as the story goes, they came back to the Ohio village and kind of made a life for themselves. And for the first few years, everything was fine. Um, but he was, one day, Claire expressed an interest in learning how to use some of the weapons. Mm-hmm. And so while Professor Cushion was teaching her how to use his crossbow, it accidentally went off and hit him between the eyes. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, so he, so she um, became a widow twice over and, like, sold his collection of weapons so she didn't have to think about him but how that connects back to the event is that they have um a widow now who walks um through the festival with a procession of mourners so um from what i understand they still have that with the drive-through like them walking alongside the road and um 
So they had that, and they also actually uh, managed to have the headless horsemen, I think, to some extent. It wasn't, I, I don't know that it was the same scope. Um, I'm, I'm not sure on this, but I think there was supposed to be like a radio station that you could tune into to hear part of the story. And then in front of the cars, they still had, my mom like sent me pictures, they still had the headless horseman galloping back and forth on his horse. Um, so yeah, so it wasn't, it didn't sound like it was like the full festival because of, because of those restrictions, but I thought it was really nice that they made, that they made an effort and were able to adapt to the time. That is really wonderful. I will say I'm a little disappointed that they didn't go all in for that and give the Headless Horseman uh, a Mustang. Um, because that is a horse and a car. Um, yeah. But, you know, you brought up the Widow. Um, I, I remember from going there when I was a kid, isn't it a running joke that every year the Widow has lost a different husband to a, to a mysterious cause? Oh, I don't know if I knew about that. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. But, yeah. That was what it was when I was a kid, was every year it was like a different story, and she was about to remarry again. Um, well, um, so we talked about uh, the Headless Horseman. Um, we talked about that folk tale you just shared with Professor Cushion. Um, sounds like after that crossbow went off, he became a pin cushion. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm rolling out the hits today, Genevieve. Um, no. Oh, yeah. Um, but I do want to ask you, so between those stories, like, you know, this is obviously an event for kids. Um, why do you think we, even at a young age, why do you think we're fascinated with um, scary things? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think um, just in terms of like stories in general, uh, we're, I think we're narrative beings by nature. So stories are kind of how we see and process the world. A lot of times, whether, um, you know, it's in life or in literature, we see things as like a sequence of events and characters who are experiencing and causing those events. Um, so I think, I think it's something that's, that's really ingrained in us. And um, to kind of quote my mom, because I asked her, I actually asked her a similar question on um, like an end of high school project that I had on why um, stories were so interesting to people. And she basically said that um, it's something we've done from the beginning mm -hmm. since um, when the first humans were telling stories around camp campfires of the day's adventures um, and kind of the oral tradition of passing on knowledge and stories. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's something that's so ingrained in our history. And um, that I think what, that's one of the reasons also why um, that history and history in general is so important, because it really becomes ingrained in us. And uh, I think that plays a big role in um, why stories uh, seem to be such a central part of the human psyche. Mm -hmm. uh, something that's innately like attractive about them to us. And I think in terms of scary stories in general, um, you know, there's that, there's that added thrill of like the creepy and mysterious that kind of, um, you know, gives us chills. And I think it's really that, um, that sense of the unknown and mm -hmm. that heightened sense of suspense and like, we don't know what's going to happen next. And it's, it's kind of that, um, 
Yeah, that suspense, that tension that I think really keeps us on the edge of our seats in combination with um, just the basic appeal of, of story. Going off of that, um, speaking, for instance, of like the the joke with Marie Antoinette's head basket, um, in addition to this being a way to teach kids about history, um, which is really smart, do you feel that like there's a right combination of horror and humor um, and experience that can sort of like, because obviously like, you know, death and scary things, it's very taboo and it's concerning for us when kids talk about those things. Um, But I feel like a lot of kids are naturally curious about these things. Do you think that this event presents a safe way for children to sort of explore these darker topics, but with a safety net. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question. Um, And I will say, just kind of speaking from my personal experience, I was never a child, and I'm still not a person who likes, like, super, super scary things, Mm -hmm. like um, a lot of stuff in the horror genre. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if anyone here has ever seen the movie Enchanted, which is not a horror movie, yeah. and I love, yeah, yeah. but the dragon, the dragon scene at the end gave me nightmares when I was little, oh. so I had, like, very low scare tolerance, mm-hmm. and as I mentioned, um, I've been going to this event um, since I was, like, very, very little. I think my mom's been taking me virtually since I was a toddler, and, um, you know, it's yeah, there is there is a sense of like some some creepiness around it, but I always um, remember it really fondly. Mm-hmm. I never remember like being being terrified really of anything there. And uh, yes, I think they do a great job of presenting it in a really family friendly way. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they have um, and they have different options. So they have, for example, the, the fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. They have. Um, like fortune tellers for children who have, um, they have like a little bit of uh, more tame fortunes. Um, and then they also have like the more adult fortune tellers that are more like serious and sometimes more grim fortunes. Mm-hmm. So they have options like that. They have a lot of um, like kid friendly outdoor games um, and a lot of um, very like history rich traditions that add that. Um, add a certain amount of creepiness, but um, it's like, I I think it's a good amount where it's not too much and they're still, but it's still like fun. It's still engaging. Um, And I think also with the legend of Sleepy Hollow, um, with the choice of that story, as you said, it's so iconic Mm -hmm. and it's one that lends itself very, very well to a really dynamic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the way um, you know the way they take that story and adapt it is, um, you know, they have a they have an excellent storyteller who tells it in a way that's very that I always found very engaging. And um, again, it was just the right amount of like keeping you on the edge of your seat and um, helping kids engage with history and with that suspense. Mm-hmm. But not in a way, not in a way that was ever like too much. Um, I think they're very conscious that their audience is in large part families, so mm-hmm. they do they do a really good job of that balance. I think. 
That is always good to know. Um, Genevieve, I'm out of questions, but is there anything else you'd like to pepper in before we, uh, before we conclude? Um, I, yeah, I think you, I think you did a great job of, of covering it. And I know, um, uh, one thing I will say, I, I know I kind of hinted at this in the, in the previous questions, but one of the things that I've admired about this festival since childhood and still really admire is the way that they're able to, um, you know, weave like this, like creepy fun holiday, like Halloween. And they, um, you know, they, they have, they really weave history into that very well. Like mm-hmm. there's, um, in this pamphlet that my mom sent me about the event, they give like a rundown of, um, kind of like the Irish and Scottish roots and how the holiday developed. And, um, I think it's, it's a great strategy to use. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big supporter, as I said, of, um, teaching history and helping kids engage with history in a lot of different ways. And, um, and I do think in particular using a holiday that kids are already excited about, uh, you know, with the costumes and the candy and trick or treating and all of this and, um, using that as a really good kind of like entry point for kids and uh, using that opportunity to really integrate history in a very fun way that engages kids from a very young age, emphasizes that storytelling aspect and really shows them, introduces them to the importance of history. And um, just like, I mean, I'm going to sound like a nerd in saying this because I am, but just how like cool and fun and complex it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do that. They do that introduction in a really, really cool way, and in that integration for kids, which is something that I've always admired about the festival. That is genuinely really amazing. Um, Genevieve, thank you so much for the time that you've given us uh, today. Thank you for telling us about the festival. Um, best to your mom for continuing to help make it happen. Um, I'm going to let you go. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. And do be listeners. That was Genevieve Feaster. Uh, she's a Denison student and a writer. And I am going to turn it back over to me and Josh.